0: Well, good morning. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, We sure did, and I am thankful for Elastic, thankful for Extra... Holes in the belt, all that good stuff. Uh, we had a great uh, time in Branson uh, last weekend, and I know that uh, you were blessed uh, with Dalen and uh, being able to see him and and hear him. And so um, I will attest that we were uh, worshiping with some good people uh, last Sunday because ran into George and Lynetta at the the church there. And uh, have y'all eaten that bread yet? So yeah, we I ate it in the car on the way back to the uh, where, we, where we were staying. So we got a little little visitors' gift there. But uh, we have a visitor's gift for you this morning, if you're a guest. It's not a baked piece of bread, but it is a, a book by Randall Matheny, uh, who uh, was mentioned this morning celebrating his 35th year in Brazil. And so we just would love for you to stop by the, the Welcome Center in the, the front there and, and receive that if you're a first-time guest with us this morning. Uh, you may see the boxes up here and wonder what's going on. This is not my U-Haul sermon. And so uh, if you know what that is, it's, uh, that's when the, the preacher gets ready to preach a sermon and, and the, due to the content and the way it's going to be delivered, he has his U-Haul parked out back uh, all loaded up and ready to move when it's over with. So my intent is not to, this to be a U-Haul sermon, but uh, as we've talked about, this, these are our Glenview food boxes. And so Glenview Elementary, uh, we're going to be delivering those uh, food boxes here in a couple of weeks. So we would love for you to take a box this morning. Uh, there's a list inside of the box, uh, the, the contents of which is about roughly $20 uh, worth of uh, food items. And so if you will fill that box, uh, you're, decorate it, get the kids involved. If you want to go in together, uh, bring that box back uh, in two weeks. So that is the, what is that, the 15th? so Sunday the 15th, uh, we'd like to have those back because we're going to give those uh, to the school before they break for the holidays. So uh, we've been doing this for the last few years uh, and been uh, serving Glenview at the monthly pantry uh, for uh, several years also. So they look forward to that. uh, And if you want to contribute... To gift cards that we do uh, also, then uh, feel free to give that to, to myself or, or Jonathan or Orrin, uh, any of the elders, and uh, we'll be able to, to purchase some gift cards. Uh, for um, For those folks also to go along with the food boxes, so uh, appreciate your participation uh, we 'll help you get the boxes down today, and when you bring them back, you can set them here in the front or you can drop them off at the office at any time. so i'd like to have those back in a couple of weeks. You know any, anywhere you turn in our culture. Uh, It seems people are trying to escape from weakness. And so uh, aging is a sign of weakness. And so we have all these uh, products and procedures and and, and to reverse the signs of aging. Uh, And so you're inundated with infomercials about that. Sickness is a sign of of weakness also. And so we have infomercials for that. We have an entire industry uh, dedicated to, to making us, helping us be more healthy. Ignorance is a sign of weakness, so we fake our way through life uh, many times, stumbling through events and through opportunities, so no one will find out what we don't know or what we can't do. Uh, Perhaps our greatest fear as a Christian is to be seen as a weak saint. Uh, Maybe we're afraid that that we'll be found out as someone who who doesn't have it all together, someone who may not have all the answers uh, to life's greatest questions that we're presented with from time to time. uh, But the deepest need that you and I have in weakness and in adversity is not quick relief. That's not our deepest need, but rather our deepest need is the well-grounded confidence that what's happening to us is part of a greater purpose of God in the universe. And what is that greater purpose? That's the glorification of the grace and the power of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so the grace and the power that that bore Him to the cross, that kept Him there until that work of love was done, it's God's design to make us a showcase for Jesus' power and for His glory. It started at the beginning. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth with My image. That's God's intent for us. But that's not necessarily what the world demands of us, right? Getting rid of all of our weaknesses. That's what the world wants. Uh, giving strength to, to endure and even rejoice in tribulation. That's foreign to folks around us who aren't following the teachings of Christ. And so. We find ourselves, and have been for the last few years, in this generational cycle to revive the comic book legends. And so movie after movie coming out about those who, who would protect us from evil. They fight to keep the bad guys from taking over, right? And so those who would resist and, and overcome the dark side. And so these superheroes, they're our strength. And because we're weak and we're unable to and to powerless against the opposition, we can't do it for ourselves. And no one wants to be powerless. No one wants to be weak. And so one of the reasons biblical Christianity has to be so distorted is is in order to be sold to the mass markets. It's because the market wants power to escape from weakness. We don't want weakness. And so tens of thousands fill arenas to hear how, how prosperous God will make you if you just have faith. He'll get you out of this if you just have faith. Life will be smooth sailing if you just set your sail by faith in Jesus. And yet biblical Christianity offers power not to overcome weakness, not to avoid weakness, but to endure weakness and do it in love. And so you don't see this verse on T-shirts. You don't see it on on billboards. It's not on bumper stickers or window stickers. There's no blockbuster movies about weakness. You know, Wimpy saves the day. That's not going to sell a lot of tickets. Cars aren't, aren't, aren't covered. You know, they're not wrapped In this particular scripture, athletic teams do not use this verse as their mantra and businesses would not choose it as their advertising slogan. In fact, it's no one's national anthem and no military's battle cry. As we read in Second Corinthians, chapter 12 and verse nine, my grace is enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, in weakness. What the world wants is escape from weakness, out of weakness, away from weakness. And what Jesus Christ offers us is power in weakness. And so in order to sell it, it's got to be changed. That's not marketable power in weakness. But when you distort that message in order to sell it, you lose the truth of the message. And more tragically, but, but really it's all the same, you lose the capacity to meet the real need that you and I and everyone else who is searching for, for the hope in this world, the real need that they have, in adversity. And that's strength to get through it. And so the real deep need is not immediate escape. And you and I, you and I may probably feel that way. We want to get out of this. How quickly can, can we get through this, get past this, get around this? But there's a greater need and far deeper need in the adversity of life in the weakness of life that we have to meet or, or all the escape from weakness in the world is, is not going to satisfy our heart in the end. And so you think about life, aren't we all living in weakness all the time and in, in some degree, in some area, aren't we all battling to get out of it also? And so you've got hardships and calamities and insults and, and, and distresses we, we live there. That's life in this flesh. And what we have to do is to refocus our effort not on getting out of that, but on seeking God from within it. And so a great standard hymn of the church over the century is, It Is Well With My Soul. If you've been around long at all, you've sung this hymn many times. And so he goes on to write, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And, and, and I've known sorrow that, that rolls over you like a wave that's, that, that's breaking overhead, plunging you down to the bottom of the ocean. And here's the deal. When I sing this song, I don't always mean it. You ever sing a song in church that you really don't mean? You really don't feel? God may have taught me to say it is well with my soul, but I haven't always Meant it. I certainly haven't always felt it, but God is still God and joy is still joy. But I'm still in the seaweed on the beach and it stinks. You ever felt that way? And I think Horatio Spafford, who, who wrote this song, I think he would tell us today that he didn't always feel this way. After all, he wrote this song after his three daughters died in an ocean liner. That sank to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. But he said to me, my grace is enough for you. What's he talking about here? He goes on for my power is made perfect in weakness. So then I will boast most gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may reside in me. What's he talking about here? Therefore, I am content. With weaknesses, with insults, with troubles, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. What is this? How, can we define the weaknesses here? That, that the ones that the Christ is, is magnified in and, and that you can boast in and that you can be content with. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. So, so what insults? What is that? Has anyone ever used their words to show that something you believe, something you've done, something that, that, that you felt, some part of, of your lifestyle. Have they ever used their words to, to, to make fun of you? Have you ever been made fun of for what you believe and how you live when it's according to Christ? Have you been ridiculed for not participating in something because it wasn't what a Christian should do? It wasn't where a Christian should be? You ever made a choice to, to, to say no to an invitation because of your commitment to Christ? Maybe you've been made to feel dumb because of that. That's an insult. And when that happens, do you feel like you, you want to come back? <laughs> you want to come back at them, right? Now, I got something to say about that. I want the last word, because if you keep your mouth shut, then you feel and you look weak. And then he, he says hardships here. This is being hardships is being forced into a place or a position Against your will, because of your faith. It's a circumstance that's been brought upon you that you don't want. And so you'd get rid of it if you could. And you feel trapped because of it. You didn't plan it. You don't want it. You wish it wasn't this way. And if you had superhero power, you'd get rid of it. And you'd get rid of them. But you can't. And so what do you do? You find yourself in the middle of it, in persecutions, in wounds. Or abuses or or, or painful circumstances or prejudice or exploitation that, that people, because of your faith or your stand as a Christian in some moral dimension of your life, they bring that against you. And so you feel like you don't get a fair deal, but you're not being treated fairly at work or maybe not fairly at school or even within your family. And then he talks about calamities here or your translation may say difficulties or troubles. And so the idea here is of being crushed or pressed down or, or weighed down. Circumstances that, that tend to overcome you because of this tremendous stress or this tension. Like if you're trying to bend something, you think of that, this, this, this pressure, or this stress on you, on your life, on your faith. And so now notice these words. None of them refer to sinful behavior. Not a single one of them. We tend to use weakness that way when we talk about that in a Christian context. Weakness is I'm struggling with a sin. I'm weakness because of a sin. But I don't think that's how Paul's using it here. And when he says the power of Christ is perfected in my weaknesses, he doesn't mean in his bad choices. He's not saying I will all the more gladly boast in my bad choices. That's not what he's saying here. Weaknesses here doesn't mean like, like she has a weakness for lust or he has a weakness for overeating. Sorry, was that too soon? <laughs> In a couple of days since Thanksgiving. But what does he he's talking about circumstances or, or situations or painful experiences that you didn't want. You didn't go looking for. They were brought upon you. They might have been caused by a hostile person. Maybe circumstances totally beyond your control and they weigh you down more than that they make you want to give up or give in and so if we had super strength each one of us would would try to get rid of them we would try to get past them and through them we try to have the last say when someone insulted us because oh we want the last say right we want, to, we want to stick it back to them we want to be vindicated why because we want to look strong And so there's some good in that, but there's also a lot of bad because I don't want I didn't blow it. I'm the one in charge here. I'm stronger than that. I don't make those kinds of mistakes. We want to look and we want to feel strong. And if you keep your mouth shut when you've been criticized, some people might think it's true. And maybe it is sometimes. And either way, you look weak. And so the same thing happens with hardships. If you had that, that super strength, you'd get out of that hardship. You'd, you'd, you'd turn it back. You'd, you'd roll it away. Or, or persecutions even, he says. Man, if I had the strength and someone persecutes me, I was, oh, I'd have that last say, right? Oh, it would feel so good. I'd never mess with me again. How can you when you're in the ground, you know? So we, we look strong. We want to feel strong. But Paul says it's It's in weaknesses. It's in laying it down. It's in letting it go. That's where you can boast here. And Christ's power is made perfect. And that word perfect, it's, it's a, it's, English is hard. <laughs> when you're going from, from a, a, an ancient language, like, like the, the, the Greek language that they used when the, the New Testament was, was written and translated... It's hard to go into English because when we think of perfect, perfect we think of w- w- without blemish. Without, there's nothing wrong you can say about that. It's perfect. That's not the word here. The word here is, is within its purpose. It, it's brought to its purpose. And so Paul says here, Christ's power is brought to, to, to its purpose in our lives through our weaknesses. It fulfills what Christ's power is supposed to do in our weaknesses. And so we don't have the strength to think that we got it all together. That's false strength. And even if we did, even if we did have the strength that, that, that we can handle all this, Jesus says, you don't need it. You shouldn't want that because that makes you, that puts the glory on you. And Jesus wants the glory on him. And so... He goes on to say, we do hard work. First Corinthians chapter four and verse 12. Paul's talking about the, the disciples, the life of the disciples and probably specifically the, the apostles here. We do hard work toiling with our own hands. And when we are verbally abused, we respond with a blessing. When persecuted, we endure. When people lie about us, we answer in a friendly manner. We are the world's dirt and scum even now. Can, can I say that about my life? When I'm verbally abused, I respond with a blessing. Well, I'm going to have to redefine blessing. <laughs> when we're persecuted, I endure it. When, when someone lies about me, I answer in a friendly manner. Is that me? <laughs> Is that you? Is that us? Because that's Christ. Paul says that this kind of lifestyle, this, this kind of response to abuse, it looks weak. It looks inept, at least to those who thrive on pride. It looks inept to those who who thrive on having the last word, getting a leg up on everybody else, which most people around us do. But weaknesses, as Paul's speaking of, they're experiences and situations and, and circumstances and wounds that are hard to bear. And even some which you can't remove. And sometimes when you can remove them, Jesus says, don't. He says, don't. Don't look to get out of this. Look to me. In this, he says, "Let them go. Go ahead and look weak. Let them have the last say." And that's tough. That is tough. It's tough for kids, and it's really tough for adults. So, where do these weaknesses come from? They come from Satan. They come from God. So, in 2 Corinthians twelve, we heard, we heard how, how Paul has experienced being caught up to the third heaven. And so the, the, the ancients understood the way they didn't have the, the, the awesome satellites that are traveling, you know, beyond our galaxy. And so when they tried to understand the realm of God, the first heaven, as they would describe it, would be where, where the birds fly. It's where the clouds are, right? That's the first heaven. The second heaven is just beyond that. As they looked up and they saw the stars and the sun and the moon. And, and that that's the second heaven. So, God's got to be above all of that, right? So, God's in the third heaven. That's how they they looked at things. And so, Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven. He says, I was caught up to the very throne room of God. That's what he's saying here. And so, he says, it was so out of this world. I don't know if it was real or if it was just a vision. It was so incredible. He just knew that he saw things and he heard things in God's presence that he couldn't even say on earth. He didn't know how to describe it. I've seen things so great, I don't even know how to tell you about it, right? And so how easy would it have been for Paul to say, you know, not many people get these kinds of revelations from God. Not many people. I wonder why I got this. I wonder why God chose me. Maybe it's because I'm special. Maybe so. Perhaps I've risen to the point now to where I don't have to live in the ordinary because I'm so extraordinary. Maybe I'm above all of this. I mean, after all, I've been to heaven, right? How about you? But we read in verse seven how God handled Paul's human bent towards those thoughts. So therefore, he says, so that I would not become arrogant. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me so that I would not become arrogant. And so that word arrogant or or conceited is used one other place in the New Testament. And it's second Thessalonians chapter two, where where the writer talks about this man of lawlessness who exalts himself before God. So it's a bad word. It's not a good word. It's not just happiness. It's a bad thing. It's, It's to feel exalted. I'm above and better than. So Paul says, to keep me from being exalted in this uh, abundance of revelation that's been given to me, I was also given a thorn in the flesh, a burr in my saddle, if you will. And uh, so this is a weakness. This thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan to harass me, he says, and keep me from being puffed up about, about what God has, has brought me to. And so once he receives the thorn in this flesh, Paul cries out to God three times. There in verse 8, three times, Lord, take this away. Remove this from me. And and all kinds of of arguments and and, and thinking about this. Nobody really knows. Was was this a physical abnormality? Or was it some chronic harassment from an enemy? We're not exactly sure which one. Whatever it was, it made Paul miserable and it kept him grounded. And so back in our text in verse 9, it says, my grace is enough for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So then I will boast most gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may reside in me. So he cries out, Lord, I am miserable. Miserable. I've got this thorn. Please take it away. Jesus says, nope. Nope, because I'll be perfect in your thorn weakness. So where the weakness comes from? Well, verse 7 says a messenger of Satan Satan did it. Satan hates Paul. Satan hates you. And he wants to kill you. Not physically. What good is that? He wants to kill your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He's a murderer of faith from the beginning. Did God really say not eat from that tree? Do you really believe God and what He said? He's a murderer of faith from the beginning. He wants to make your life perfectly miserable perfect in the same sense that's his purpose right and so he wants to bring us to hate god because of what we're going through and and what what god has not removed from our lives or or the, the the rocky path that god has put in front of us that's satan's goal but it isn't that simple is it here's a couple of reasons why because god is at work here and not just satan And so Paul describes the purpose of this thorn, this weakness, as preventing pride. Satan is in the business of producing pride, not preventing pride. Satan has a goal to produce pride instead of faith and humility in our lives. And so if Satan is at work here, and Paul describes the purpose of this thorn as to eliminate pride and excessive revelations that have come to him, then you've got another worker on the scene besides Satan, because God's also involved here. God has a goal in our life to get pride out of our life and faith and humility into our life so that Jesus can be exalted. And that's what childlikeness is all about. Paul, Paul's revelations in paradise made him vulnerable to pride. And so listen to this. This is heavy. God uses the hostile intentions and harassments of Satan for his holy purposes. And I think that's awesome, even though it feels terrible sometimes. Because you've got, you've got Satan harassing and, and hurting and, and, and wanting to, to, to overtake us from his vantage point to kill, right? To kill that relationship, to kill our faith. And then you've got a sovereign God enclosing the messenger of Satan in his limitations and in his control and saying, here is my holy intention for your evil work and I will produce it. I'm going to turn this into something good. If... He will let me if she will let me. So I think God gets great joy in putting Satan in his place like that. But the question is, am I allowing God to receive the glory that he wants and the glory that he deserves? Or am I fighting against the wrong power? And so in verse 8, when Paul prays, take it away, the the Lord answers, no, no, I'm not going to do that because my grace is sufficient for you. And it's my power that's made perfect in weakness. My power works its purpose. In your weakness. And so in other words, he says, I I came to make you a showcase of my power through this demonic harassment. Through this, I'm going to lift you up as as a display of my great and mighty power. God says, I'm in charge here. I'm going to turn all this pain, all these insults, all this hardship, all these persecutions, all these calamities. I'm going to turn it all for my glory and the glory of my son through my grace for your ultimate good. And so just like with Job, a beautiful example here of what's going on. The accuser came to God and said, I want to prove him. And God said, oh, you, you can, but you're only going so far. You're only going so far. And you know the end of that story, how God controlled the, the, the circumstances. He limited the accuser and he used the tragedies of, of Job's life to accomplish his good purposes. And he blessed Job and in that also. So, so, weaknesses, these painful things in our life that, that humiliate us, these, these things that wound us and, and frustrate us and oppress us, where do they come from? Where does this come from? Well, the answer is sometimes they come from Satan, and always they are used by God. And so, I don't think we can get out of this text that they always come from Satan, but sometimes they may come from Satan, and always God is sovereign over Satan. And He will use them. So what's the purpose of weaknesses? Do, do they have a goal? Why can't I find a job? Or is there a purpose in that? Why is my life in this turmoil? Or, or, or why am I trapped in this awful relationship? Why does my family member have this terrible disease? Or, or, or why can't we have children? Or why do people seem to gravitate away from me? Or why does nothing seem to work in my life? Well, the first answer... To to every one of these questions, and all questions like this, the first answer of why is because Satan has a purpose. Satan has a purpose. Namely, he wants to destroy our relationship with God. Either by making you proud in what you have done or what you have overcome, or despairing because you can't. That's Satan's agenda. And if you cannot do anything, Satan's got a purpose for that. It's called despair. Despair. And if you can do all things, if you just are overpowering and just winning on every course, Satan's got a purpose for that. It's called pride. And so God does not delight in pain in and of itself. And God does not take joy in anyone's pain. But He can turn it for awesome good. And He does in a world that has fallen far from His glory. And it's a human struggle to to accept that our God... Regards humility as more important than comfort. It's hard to grasp that God regards humility as more important than freedom from pain. That that our God has different priorities than the world does. So Paul is caught up into heaven and he sees the glory of God and he has this this great mountaintop experience. And then God pulls him down with anguish of this thorn in his life, this thorn in his flesh. So. How can I think that my position, my spirituality, my dedication to God or my, my Christian pedigree, my own delusions of spiritual grandeur, how can I think that they'll lift me above the normal course of life where people suffer? Why do I think I'm any better than anyone else? It didn't work that way with Paul. Not at all. In fact, they went together. <laughs> the greatest... Revelation in heaven went smacked together with the thorn in the flesh that made him miserable. Because God wanted him humbled more than He wanted him comfortable. And it's through this thorn, that the, the, the glory and the, the, the grace and the power of God's Son shone brightly. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is what's made perfect in weakness so God's design is to make us a showcase of Jesus' power. He wants to to glorify Jesus in our life. So it isn't wrong to ask why. It's not. But our thoughts and our yearning and our heart's desire has got to, to move past the why. And ask God, God, what now? What now, God, in my life, in in, in these circumstances, in my blessing or in my insult, in my hardship, in my persecution, in my trial, how can you be glorified? How will you be glorified? What would you have me do now? And don't say it shouldn't be this way for me. If it's that way for somebody else, we can't write the script for God. And so we can't say faith brought victory to the army over there, so it's going to bring victory to my army. God is God. So faith might give you strength to endure defeat. And faith might open the prison doors for Peter. And that same faith may stand by while James loses his head. So we can't say that faith will always triumph over the weakness. It will be in the weakness that the triumph comes more often. So the ultimate purpose is that God might build into us the kind of power that, that took Jesus to the cross, that put Him on a cross, that kept Him there until the work of God, the work of love was done. And so Paul says we preach Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to everyone else, but to those who are called. To those who see the truth is the power of God. And so here's the weakest of all situations. The, the hanging on this cross now. Spit upon. Beaten. Mocked. Betrayed. Weakness personified in the person of Jesus Christ. And God says, power. That is power. And so the power that can get you onto a cross and can keep you there. Until the work of love is done in your life. That's the kind of power that God wants to build into your life more than anything else. This morning, Monday morning, Thursday morning. And by faith, we need to say, that is enough. That is enough, God. It is sufficient. That's hard to do. It's hard to do because Satan works in those thoughts in our heads. Those thoughts that that, that pull us away from God's glory and start putting the focus on us and the me, oh my. And we lose sight of how God can work through the, the hardest, darkest parts of our lives. That's what sin does. It takes over those thoughts. And this morning, God calls you back. Back to His glory. Back to a clearer vision of the purpose He has for you. It's not to walk on smooth ground. But it's to walk side by side, hand in hand, with Jesus who walked all the way to the cross. But He will be there with you each step of the way. Because it's at that cross that God's greatest power was revealed. And Jesus will reveal that same power in us if we will come to Him, confess Him as God's one and only Son, our Lord and Saviour. Put our faith in Him. Be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And then strive each day to be faithful. We come together this morning to remind each other of why. Why Monday doesn't have to be a manic Monday. It's because God is on His throne. Christ is at His right hand. And salvation is for those who would put their faith in Him. So this morning, if we can pray for you for strength, for comfort. If we can rejoice with You in Your decision to put on Christ in baptism and become a child of God and receive His gift of His Holy Spirit and the promise of eternal life with Him. We are gathered this morning to do just that. And we're going to stand and sing a song to encourage you to make your decision today. Will you tell God, God, You are enough this morning as we stand and sing this good song.